Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show. Thanks for sharing part of your day with us. It's an extraordinary period, isn't it? It's a midterm election year, but I have to say, for a midterm election year, this is turning out to be a campaign season that will use up a lot of money and a lot of energy and most likely more money than ever spent before on a midterm in our country's history because of the local issues, and they are many, and they are very, very important. Whether it's redistricting, local control of schools and school boards, whether it's decisions made by boards of supervisors at the the county level or city councils, the citizen participation this year at all levels of government is critical. The election of state legislatures and governors, all in the balance, all critical to the nation's direction and our quality and standard of life in this country. The national issues also critically important, and we know that this will definitely be the most expensive year in campaign history in an election year. And at the national level, obviously a critical critical year, a critical midterm election year. Historically, we know that incumbent presidents, on average, lose 26 congressional seats in midterm elections and four Senate seats in midterm elections. If that is the case, this will indeed turn out to be a very good year for the Republican Party and indeed uh, for the balance of power in Washington, D.C., the answer as to whether or not history will hold up on the average, well, we're going to have to find out because a lot is at, uh, at play. So to guide us through these issues and to help us uh, understand uh, with greater clarity what's going on in this very important election year, we've invited Matt Schlapp to join us. Matt is the chairman of the Conservative Political Action Conference, the most important gathering of conservatives uh, in this country every year. He is also the chairman of the American Conservative Union. He is a, uh, a brilliant strategist and lobbyist. Uh, his firm, Cove Strategies, very important to the uh, conservative movement and to Washington, D.C. And I understand he makes a little money on the side doing that as well. And Matt Slap, it is great to have you uh, with us, my friend, on The Great America Show. Welcome and First, how are you doing? How are you feeling about uh, this great country of ours? Well, I feel great, but I always feel great. And it's really, really great to hear your voice. Uh, I've missed hearing your voice. I think a lot of people have. And I think uh, uh, I think they're very happy to hear it again. 
And I feel, um, you know, I'm always a bit of an optimist just the way I am, but I am actually pretty worried about the country. Uh, I don't think we have much time left to turn it around. I think in the short term, it looks like we're going to spank our enemies. Spank our enemies. Uh, How so and how soon? Well, uh, my view, Lou, is the victories. uh, Everyone talks about the blue state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, electing a Republican governor. Matter of fact, it was a a Republican sweep. They won every statewide elected official, and they won a majority in the House of Delegates. But to me, that was very important. But to me, what was even more important is why they won. They won because ordinary citizens stood up and said, I'm not going to have any more of this uh, CRT in our schools. We don't have to teach this Black Lives Matter 1619 stuff uh, if we're a cop. Um, it was a grassroots revolt, but you know what? It happened in Minneapolis. It happened in Seattle. It happened in my home state of Kansas, where if you were pro CRT, you lost your school board seat. So really what happened uh, last year was victories up and down the ballot. And I'm looking at these poll numbers going into November. I think America is going to reject the woke mob uh, that has become the Democratic Party. The woke mob, just the mob, uh, there it's a thuggish party. It, it's a party without conscience or soul or apparent interest in this country's uh, prosperity, its future, the well-being of working men and women, the American family. I mean, who the hell are the Democrats? I, I don't know who they serve. I don't know who they represent. Uh, who Who are they? Who are they, Matt? Well, I think you can answer that question by checking out what Ilhan Omar puts out on her Twitter feed today. And I think, you know, the the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, AOCs of the world, they won the argument within the Democratic uh, circles. And I don't understand why all their funders who have made their money in all types of ways hate the idea of a free market and profit and the rest. But that that this argument has been settled. There is no debate within the Democratic Party as to whether or not they're going to embrace these radicalized leftist policies. By the way, Lou, you know this, they're not liberal policies anymore. Liberal policies uh, were about a lot more government and a little less constitution, but yet there were some things we could agree on, including letting each other speak and having some First Amendment freedoms. This Democratic Party is a hardcore Marxist party that tries to shut down literally throw in jail their political enemies. We're seeing this with the one six committee. Um, you know, this is, this is, this is stuff of the Russian revolution. It's, it's, it's the antithesis of what our founders wanted in America. Absolutely. And the January six committee, let, let's go there right now, uh, because that is a one party partisan uh, vicious show uh, trial. It is the stuff of the Soviet era. This right. is, has no place in America. There is no analog in our history, by the way, to this, uh, unless you go to the McCarthy hearings uh, in the uh, 50s. Uh, It's the closest we get, but it's even that was not uh, as broad based and vicious and focused as the January 6th committee on propaganda, on pursuing specific left wing ideals and corrupting the entire political system. Uh, and and trying to do so, it, it looks like in perpetuity, based on the length of the investigations and the nonsense they're spewing. What happens next on the January 6th committee? Uh, do they just enlarge it with more left-wingers uh, on the committee? 
uh, what do they do? I think what they're doing is I call this a taxpayer funded opposition research campaign, which is akin to a third impeachment of Donald Trump. The whole focus of the committee has nothing to do with security against terrorism or securing the Capitol, all these phony terms that get thrown out there. It is 100% focused on finding any dirt they can on President Trump or his family. And the last attempt to just rid uh, Donald Trump from American politics. Of course, they will fail at that, but they will destroy dozens of lives in the process. I have friends who are caught up in this. It doesn't matter even if they think that you're guilty of wrongdoing, which in most of the cases they don't. They're just squeezing people because they have power right now. And by the way, they're squeezing people on an illegitimate committee with no minority, no minority councils. This has never happened in the history of America Never happened in the history of Congress. You brought up McCarthyism. The minority was always allowed to have an active role. Same with Watergate, right. all these other moments. This is something we have never seen before. And if we, if the Republican Party, and of course I am a Republican, but if we get the majority, we have got to go after the people that broke all the laws on this renegade committee. Well, that, you start there with Pelosi, of course, because she named the committee, formed the committee. Uh, she's running at the age of uh, 81 uh, for re-election. Uh, and I, I'm not really sure why more people aren't paying attention uh, to her promises not to step down as speaker, uh, to uh, retire, if you will, uh, from the arena. She's she's violating everything she promised uh, AOC and the squad and the left uh, wing of the party. Uh, instead, instead, she has taken over the left wing, it seems. You know, Lou, it's a it's a funny thing that people forget is there are certain legal uh, immunities you get by serving in Congress. And I wonder if one of the reasons she's running again at the age of 81 is because she wonders what the Republicans are going to do. Uh, if they get the majority. I think Jim Jordan and Jim Banks, the Republicans who weren't allowed to serve on the committee because she called them the enemy within domestic mm -hmm. terrorists. Uh, anybody, by the way, who was, espouses just banali Republican views is now all of a sudden a domestic terrorist, uh, an insurgent. Um, you know, that's what they do. And and I think that, uh, you know, Jim Jordan coming in as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I think it's time for the Republicans if they really want to save the country, is to make this all stop by making the Democrats go through the same thing they always put Republicans through. And I think yeah. that's one of the things Donald Trump tried to get DOJ to do when he was president. We play patty cake with the other side, and they try to destroy our lives when they get power. Exactly. And I don't, by the way, I don't, I'm among those who now, I don't want this to stop. Uh, I don't want civility. Uh, I find myself very comfortable in this atmosphere uh, of incivility because, you, you know, the, the Democratic Party has become the enemy within, as uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, said of uh, Jim Jordan and other Republicans. They are the enemy within. They are the not only the, the party of loyal opposition or disloyal opposition, perhaps, is better, uh, better termed. But they have become uh, something entirely unique. They're a fifth column. Uh, they are uh, they are in point of fact trying to destroy uh, the basic institutions of the country, the basic precepts of this uh, constitutional republic. Uh, it it is uh, they look they're looking to 
upend uh, the United States of America as we know it. Uh, the American way is not their way. And I think we have to engage on that, don't you? I do. And, and I share your uh, desire to accept the reality at hand. You know, uh, you're a person that was brought up to be mannerly, as was I. Um, I can be perfectly uh, civil and hospitable. But uh, when you have a party that's embraced radicalism, embraced socialism, there's no consensus on uh, support of the police or uh, support of our military. We've lost this idea that the two big parties uh, would have a consensus on some basic things that are good for the country, like everybody should stand and salute and pledge the flag. And everybody agrees that there are institutions uh, that make the country strong and allow for society. They're destroying all those pillars. And Lou, if you'll forgive me, this is exactly why I wrote this book called The Desecrators uh, with Deal Hudson, because we're, we're sitting around as Trump supporters wondering what happened. Uh, everybody, it seems that associated with Trump, there was this consequence where your First Amendment rights were taken from you. And my co-author said, you know, we keep calling it cancel culture, where politically someone can shut you down because of your views or a corporation right. can say, we don't want you to shop here or work for us. Boy, I hope that never happens. Diabolical. To, I hope that never happens to me for crying out loud. I can't <laughs> I can't imagine deal. I mean, I can't imagine, Lou. I can't uh, uh I I uh, as I said, it's really good to hear your voice. And I, I mean that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I hope it's good for everyone to know that all of this in the end is just causing this uprising around the country. So it's a little bit latent, but I think we're going to win this battle, at least in the short term. But we called our book The Desecrators because it's not just cancel culture. It's not just, oh, I prefer yeah. this politics over that politics. What the left is doing and what the Democratic Party is doing is they are focused on destroying everything that's good, that's holy, that's truthful, that's foundational to America. They are, they are a wrecking ball for the family. They are a wrecking ball for the military. They are a wrecking ball for any company that wants to produce something innovative uh, and, uh, and not do it on the back of the government. They are wrecking our schools, but whether they be elite private schools or public schools, they are trying to get inside the minds of our children and my five children and to make them hate this country, to make them question uh, the gender that God made them in, to make them question all these things. And I'm telling you, it is diabolical and we got to fight it. Yeah, uh, the, the left and the two big teachers unions, straightforwardly, they're all about uh, indo indoctrination, not education. Uh, they are, you know, the Democratic Party now, uh, the radical Dems are simply, uh, they're, they're awful. They're absolutely awful in what they are trying to do, whether it's indoctrinate our children, uh, whether it is the cancel culture that they've created, or the, or the lies of CRT and the so-called woke culture. Uh, it's just disgusting what they become. They're, they're lower than, uh, than snake bellies uh, as, they, as they pursue their aims, which are to, as I said, upend this constitutional republic. I want to turn back to your book, The Desecrators, and I, I, and I, I love the title. The subtitle is Defeating the Cancel Culture Mob and Reclaiming One Nation Under God. And I just want to tell everybody, we recommend this book to you highly. Uh, it's available for pre-order on uh, Amazon and everywhere else. Uh, 
Matt, this is just a, you know, it's a timely book and it is time for us to engage, uh, whether it is dealing with uh, the cancel culture or the Chamber of Commerce. I used to call it the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. You know, I've had more than my share of uh, conflicts with the Chamber. But finally, the Republican Party, uh, Kevin McCarthy, of all people, has told the Chamber of Commerce to go to hell because they've lined up with the Democratic Party and are more closely aligned with China than they are with the U.S. government. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I call them the Chamberlain of Commerce. Everybody has their favorite uh, slight. Uh, but I give uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy a lot of credit and the Republicans. And you know what it comes down to is when we went through all the aftermath of the election and I was out in Nevada and Mercy and I were in Georgia and I saw the fraud firsthand. And, and I'm an old hand at this. I'm 54 years old. My only job has been in politics. And uh, I was shocked at the level of illegal voting that occurred, the complete not following of the rules to check signatures on mail-in ballots and when, when mail-in ballots can be used. And uh, you know uh, what you realized is then all these corporations really under the leadership of the Chamber of Commerce, which by the way, bragged in Time Magazine, they, they helped quote unquote fortify the election, which means allow for all this fraudulent voting to occur they yep. then normalized this idea that they shouldn't, no corporation should use its PAC to support any Republican that actually was trying to stand up and speak in support of voter ID. By the way, the American people in their good judgment support voter ID 80% plus in every poll you look at. Uh, and somehow we've normalized this idea through these corporate elites that voter ID is racist. And, and by the way, the most outrageous thing is it's done in support of the Democratic Party, which held the KKK uh, in Jim Crow in its bosom and fostered the pushback on the full civil rights for former slaves. So the fact that we're not teaching our history allows them to propagandize these outrageous things. Yeah, without any, uh, without any mitigation whatsoever. Uh, and uh, voter ID uh, and, and the support that is given in uh, the fight against voter ID by the left. Uh, and, and by the way, even the Black Caucus that goes along with that uh, nonsense. If there is ever bigotry by condescension, it is the issue of voter ID and the fight against it. To suggest that minorities are incapable of getting identification to vote in this country, are you kidding me? What kind of awful condescension is that? And what kind of bigotry uh, could be worse? And what you're noticing in polls, Lou, and I, I love to read polls. I think they're interesting. And what I'm seeing is a very big trend with, uh, with uh, people of color here legally, Hispanics, Blacks, who are actually turning towards these populist policies, these Trump policies, um, uh, they are associating themselves because they believe their kids were born boys and girls. They like cops. They have cops in their family. Um, they support the military. They think, it, they think the uh, American experience has made the world better. It's the best hope for freedom on the globe. These are not just trite sayings I'm throwing out there. Their fight against America is actually a fight against Americans. And what's ironic is the very populations they're pandering to, uh, the Democrats, I mean, these populations are turning against them because they realize many of the countries they fled tried all these policies. By the way, it's why they're here. They ran from those policies. They don't work. 
So one thing we know that does work, those are Trump policies. One thing we do know works, and that is a wall of the southern border. One thing we do know is important is sovereignty. And where the hell are Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy on those issues right now? Where are you know, they? I think they I don't think... even talk about it. And Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, one moment they want to try to see if they can sound just a little like Trump. And the next, there's this uh, milk toast uh, brew uh, spilling from their lips uh, that sounds like, to me, are another rhino in the wrong place in leadership. Well, Your thoughts? Well, I think that these are very open questions in these primaries around the country. I think that the, uh, the, the folks, I think there's a lot more independence in politics than we've had in a long time. I also think uh, with everything Trump did in our politics, I still think there's a lot of change going on and a lot of people still getting more attuned to why his policy simply worked. Non-political people just want politicians to get out of the way and allow their lives to get a little bit better. And if you look at these polls, the uh, we have a third of Democrats already saying, you know, they don't want to support Biden again. You have Republicans leading in the congressional in the generic ballot. You have, uh, unfortunately, dangerously low numbers of Americans saying the country's on the right track. So what I would say to Kevin well, McCarthy- Well, 70%, more than 70% of the country says that's right. the country's on the wrong track. That's I mean, right. that's, that spells disaster. But the rest of these manufactured corporate polls are bull, you know what. Uh, let me use the expression my wife prefers I use, pure BS. Uh, and we need, we need to understand corporate America right now is working against the interest of the American people. And I, don't, and I mean, every American who depends upon the public education system for the for being the great equalizer in this society, uh, the left is trying to destroy that great institution. They want to defund the police. Uh, they want to make terrorists out of parents who actually have the energy and the passion to go to their school board meetings and stand up for their children and what they are taught. I, I, I mean, this is this is a perversion of the American society by the left that's got to be ended now. You know, Lou, at uh, CPAC, we started a fund with our C3 called the First Amendment Fund. And it's based on the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, but kind of in reverse. And uh, we're raising money to protect the constitutional rights of American people. And if you really think about it, this is a quite a scary thing. Not just can a Marjorie Taylor Greene lose her committee assignments because by fiat, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats just take away the right of the voters me, of her district in Georgia. Let to, me interject very quickly, man. I'm sorry. And then I'll let you go on. I promise. Yeah. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a woman who has been attacked viciously by the left, viciously by the corporate media in this country uh, and by the by the rhinos in the Republican Party. And I say to each of those groups, go to hell. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a great representative for her people in her district and for all Americans in this country who care about our, our institutions, the American way of life, truth and justice. She is great. Uh, and, you know, I just can't believe somebody would go after because they're afraid of a strong woman uh, with a conservative view. I, I completely concur. And it's the same thing they did to Congressman Banks and Congressman Jordan by not allowing them to sit on the 1-6 committee. They are disenfranchising voters all over the country while they run around and say, oh, it's the Republicans disenfranchising blacks. 
It's actually the Democratic Party and their leadership, which is disenfranchising the voters in these districts to elect these representatives. They're the ones who get to decide who comes to Congress, not Nancy Pelosi, not Steny Hoyer, not the rest of these people. But by the way, it's a lot of cops who are losing their job uh, because they don't go along with a lot of the nonsense they're being uh, they're being told they have to go along with, whether it's having to take a vaccine or having to submit to this Black Lives Matter orthodoxy. There's a lot of teachers who are losing their jobs because they believe parents should be listened to and the parents are the most important uh, uh, adjudicator of what their kids do. Um, there's everyday Americans all over this country. It's not just powerful people like congressmen getting canceled and being desecrated. It's people without wealth, status, or power. And I think our great cause, besides kind of refounding this country and defending her, is defending these people. We all have to do it. You've done it for years and for decades and been a voice for these folks, but we have to specifically help the victims. I mean, McCarthy, they always use McCarthy. They are the McCarthyites. They are destroying people's lives on a daily basis. And so why is it that we can't get uh, a, a clear statement from Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House, uh, the Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell, uh, that they will stand up for America first, that they understand that this is the party of Trump and that, by God, uh, we will put America first in our policies and that we will will uh, follow Trump uh, as uh, as the leader of the party. They seem to be trying to, uh, I mean, for crying out loud, Mitch McConnell decides it's going to be uh, John Thune. I mean, they look like something out of The Walking Dead. Uh, they are passionless. They are uh, unoriginal in their thinking, and they don't stand up. They actually stood up against President Trump. Uh, it's unforgivable. I think after the election, um, uh, people, too many people, uh, especially in leadership, thought they were done with Donald Trump. And they thought they'd be able to just push him off the stage. And uh, what they've come to realize is that anybody who's running for, and I've made this trip and you've made this trip down to Mar-a-Lago, uh, anybody who's running for a Republican position anywhere is waiting in that waiting room to get the blessing of Donald Trump. And uh, he's the endorsement that matters and really the only endorsement that matters. And that's because his policies worked. And what's ironic is that uh, you know, if we get these majorities, these leaders will only be in leadership because people ran on Trump policies in these primaries. So I would just urge, whether it's Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, others in leadership, that if the people are demanding the policies and if the people believe that Donald Trump's endorsement is the most important factor in how they vote, they're going to have to reverse course or they're going to have to get out of the way. Well, I mean, I'm going to I agree with you 100 percent because as your book focuses on it, I mean, we've got to cancel the culture mob. We've got to reclaim this uh, nation under God. And, and so let me make a suggestion to McConnell and, and to McCarthy and see if you agree with me. I don't want to wait to the election to tell those two men to get the hell out of the way. They're not listening to Trump. They're not listening to his, uh, his supporters who represent uh, half, more than half of the country for crying out loud. More. So, uh, get out of the way now. What do you think? Well, I also wonder if they're just, you know, uh, not that people can't be great uh, uh, well into the, the winter of their life, but I mean, I mean, come on, can't we get some fresh blood? There's nothing wrong with it, right? I mean, that's okay. That's a good thing. No, it's not about fresh blood. It's about 
people who are smart enough and have enough integrity and enough passion for this country to stand up for America. And Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy won't do it. For crying out loud, Kevin McCarthy wants to keep Liz Cheney in the Republican Party. What which kind is, of madness is that? She's which is outrageous. Well, outrageous. Hell, get him out of the way. Outrageous. And we got Mitt Romney leading the way on doing her fundraisers. And, you know, uh, the thing is, why don't I get that bozo the hell out of the Senate? As a Republican, you can't get him out of the Senate. You don't want to. Uh, but he is, it's ridiculous to have him there. Well, I think that, look, I think you're making a, I think you're making a point that a lot of people believe. And we're going to ask in our CPAC straw poll coming up in February in Orlando, uh, what the, what the people that come to CPAC, what they think, do we need new leadership in Congress? Uh, do we need to, uh, have a new course? And I think it makes a lot of these conservatives wonder if they should be associating with the Republican Party, if there shouldn't be a new party, should they be an independent? I think it's a very live question. I know Donald Trump has doubled down on his commitment to the party, and I think it was the right decision. But, you know, a strange orthodoxy to uh, the Republican tradition of just kind of keeping everything on simmer and not doing anything bold, I think their people are done with that strategy. They want senators to work. They want senators to fight back on Biden each and every day. This? Matt, how about this? Kick the rhinos the hell out of the party. I'm for get, it. Get, get rid of them. If they, if they can't line up with Donald Trump, put America first, and actually say out loud they won't put up with any more corporate nonsense from the Chamber of Commerce and all of the lobbyists that uh, on K Street, uh, you know, wh who are we? What is a conservative? Because right now... Uh, the, <laughs> McCarthy, uh, McConnell, and, and Thune, and their ilk, you know, they're just, they're corporate bag men. Uh, and I really think it's embarrassing for the Republican Party to even have them there. It's Donald Trump's party, by God, and it's going to be a long time before it isn't. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I, I know it's right, because I'm still traveling the country, and I just came back from some events, and uh, you know, the number one people, number one question is, is Trump going to run again? Number two question is, will Republicans have the guts to stand up about illegal voting? And number three is exactly the point you're making, which is all these corporations that will not allow their PACs to donate to any Republicans who questioned election fraud or support uh, voter ID. Uh, what happens when Republicans get power? I think they will. What are they going to do with that power, Lou, when it comes to dealing with these corporations? I say they should stand up and give them a one-finger salute and say, you know, you chose what side you're on. You're on the side of the desecrators who want to destroy the foundations of the country. Uh, we have to do this without you. And if the Republican Party would actually separate itself from the agenda of these freeloading corporations that are like, uh, the, you know, like they used to say, the radical chic crowd, they have embraced the worst of everything George Soros is trying to do. And I think we have to be a majority that tells them to screw off. Yeah. And, and why haven't these leaders of the Republican Party, particularly on Capitol Hill, whether it's the RNC and, uh, you know, I mean, they've still got the same leadership over the RNC, even after they lose uh, uh, almost, uh, you know, so much of the 
the power of the presidency, for God's sake, you can be can be put at the feet as well uh, of Ronald McDaniel. Uh, it's it, and there she is still, no consequence for failure. This isn't this isn't uh, this isn't the way of American politics. You're talking about new blood. We need it there quickly, uh, and we need good, strong, red blood. Uh, red-blooded Americans. I, I, I've got to say, we're out of time here. Uh, I want to, as always, give you the opportunity. Uh, we always give our guests the opportunity for the very last word. Uh, and this is your opportunity. And we thank you for the opportunity to talk with you uh, through this podcast. Appreciate it, Matt Slap. Yeah, Lou. Well, I appreciate the fact that you're out there fighting for these values uh, and you understand the dire nature the country's in. Um, you, you've got kids and grandkids. I've got five kids who are just at these precious ages. And uh, it is frightening to see the culture that we're being forced to raise them in. And uh, I wrote a letter to my kids in the beginning of the book. And I apologize for the fact that sometimes having my last name makes their life a little more difficult. But they have to understand that if their parents don't do everything they can to save this country and what makes it great, which Donald Trump demonstrated over four years in the White House, they don't, they're not gonna have a country uh, in a society to grow up in. So this is, this is our great cause. And uh, although it looks dark and dim at times, uh, I think we can still turn it around. And I think this book gives us a plan to do that. And I really appreciate getting to talk with you again. All right, Matt, thank you for being with us. The book is The Desecrators, Defeating the Cancel Culture Mob and Reclaiming One Nation Under God. It would be nice to reclaim one nation under God straight away. I hope your day is going well, that we can all laugh at much of the madness, at least, that seems to have gripped our nation. Certainly, it's gripped the people we depend on to lead us and the rest of the free world. Well, I'm not so, I'm not so sure about the free world. Uh, we used to always remember referred to the president of the United States as also the leader of the free world. But you notice no one says that anymore. Certainly not since Donald Trump completed his first term in office. Now, I don't know whether there's some question about Biden in the White House, about him actually being recognized as a leader of other nations by other nations. And I, I, I think you and I could see that because he's having a lot of trouble in this country being recognized as the leader. He is actually the president here, and being recognized as the leader of the country has been tough enough. He's been, to say the least, divisive, more than just a little awkward, we'll say, in his public appearances when he does occasionally make them. He has also been bungling whenever he acts as president, uh, and act almost seems like he's pretending. And a good 70% of Americans simply don't like the direction of this country right now under this president. Uh, Biden's vice president isn't any better. The administration itself is barely functioning. And even when actually functioning, the results are not what you would call particularly impressive. Most often, the administration is inept. It struggles to be even remotely effective. And far too often, disaster is the result, whether it's runaway inflation, whether it's Afghanistan, his foreign policy, or domestic policy. Obviously, all of this spells opportunity for the Republican Party. We'll see what they can do to take back the Senate and the House. They're in position to do so. And of course, win as many state legislatures and governorships as possible. 
We're delighted to have our next guest with us. She is Amy Tarkanian, Republican strategist, former Nevada Republican chairwoman, and great American. Amy, great to have you with us. I am so excited to be back with you, Lou. I, I am completely honored, and I am uh, just thrilled that you have this wonderful podcast that's that's excelling and just taking off like wildfire. Not surprised. Well, we had a little boost from the president. I have to be very honest. He, he was uh, he was absolutely terrific, and he helped us. You're here to help us today, and we thank you for that. And we want to thank everybody listening to us. I, I mean, the support of our audience has just been amazing. Uh, and if everybody will keep calling two friends and uh, two members of the family <laughs> and tell them to join us, uh, you know, we're we're going to keep this uh, this brush fire going. Uh, Amy, let me start with the opportunity right now, as you see it, just how bad, let's start out with this, just how bad is the Biden administration? Uh, I personally, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I, I mean, nothing, not even the Carter days. Uh, I wasn't covering the White House in the 19, uh, late 1970s. I was calling, uh, covering presidential politics, but not the White House. It, 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 Carter was a, a, a disaster, I guess, but it took him a while. Uh, Biden, right. Biden has taken this first year and he's really run with it, hasn't he? I mean, I, I guess, you know, he he's going to follow through with the mantra, go big or go home. And so you know, <laughs> he's he's going all out <laughs> uh, before his first year was even accomplished. Um, yeah, he's done a lot of destruction and it's very concerning. And it and it just goes to show how important each election is, because you think, oh, no, it'll take time. There's no way anyone could could turn things around that quickly in one term. Well, forget about one whole term of four years. This is less than a year. And it's a disaster. I mean, there's a Rasmussen poll that came out, uh, I think it was yesterday, where uh, they said that it was 50% of those who, if they voted today, they would vote for his impeachment. I think that speaks volumes. And the fact that we have a high amount of third party candidates being registered and a number of Democrats who are not just moving over to third party, but they're also moving over to Republican. And here in the state of Nevada, we have one congressional candidate and a gubernatorial candidate who both recently switched from Democrat to Republican. So you would think that the Democrats would take a look at what's going on and maybe think twice about some of these atrocious policies that they're trying to shove down our throats. Well, uh, who's leading in that Republican race for, for Congress? Um, well, that particular race, there's multiple candidates in, in that seat. And I think currently there's a female, her name is Annie Black, and she's a current um, assemblywoman in the Mesquite area. And I believe she's most likely going to end up being our nominee. And that's in Congressional District 4 in Nevada. And uh, and who else is uh, leading in the other other contests for Congress? Because there, we got obviously 435 seats up. Uh, mm -hmm. We only need, uh, usually the discussion is about five seats to eight seats to mm -hmm. flip the House back to the Republicans. Obviously, we do know in a midterm election, typically the president's incumbent party loses 26 seats. Now, that would be a great event and a great margin for the Republican Party. How does it look in Nevada? 
That would be better than Christmas, I think. Um, <laughs> so here in the state of Nevada, unfortunately, we are a democratic trifecta. And so we do have an uphill battle. Um, the fact that Republicans were the slowest growing party for registration is also concerning, but I think we are going to be able to hopefully enjoy some of that red wave. Um, we do have four congressional districts. I mentioned congressional district four. I think that's going to go to Annie Black is my guess. And then the incumbent, uh, of course, is a Democrat. Um, and then we've got congressional district three, which I believe will be um, April Becker will be the nominee. And she's going up against a female incumbent. And then in Congressional District 1, um, which is a Democratic stronghold, but we have a, a couple of uh, females that are going to be, I think, contenders. One is Carolina Serrano, and the other one is Diane Steele. Um, and she's a former judge. And then in CD2, that's a Republican stronghold. And uh, right now that's held by uh, Congressman Mark Amaday. But... Uh, he he was also the first congressman to uh, vote for the impeachment inquiry of President Trump. So we'll see if somebody wants to primary him this time and put in an actual uh, America first Republican. Yeah, I, I sure hope so, because if you can't do it there, uh, anyone who voted against uh, President Trump, any Republican who says he or she is not an America first Republican uh, and recognizes Trump as the leader and the inspiration for the policies that are going to drive this country forward. I, I don't know why the Republican Party would put up with them. Do you? No, no. And and this this gentleman seems to enjoy coasting and not even really helping the, the down ticket. So it's unfortunate that we have somebody in a position that could really do a lot, um, a lot of uh, uh, good and actually shout from the rooftops all of the wonderful conservative values that that we hold. And instead, he chooses to sit at the Capitol Grill and smoke cigars. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's sort of like the, uh, the New Yorker cartoon of a congressman, isn't it? Uh, right. It's depressing. It's disappointing. It, it really is. But then again, so much of Congress can be disappointing. A classic rhino and rhinos are the enemy of not only the Republican bar Party, but America. I, they really are. Uh, mm -hmm. They are disastrous. Uh, they're infiltrators. They're a fifth column within the uh, Republican Party. And, and he's and, and pro-amnesty. Yeah. He's voted for illegal immigration pro-amnesty. So what is this guy doing with an R? I have no idea. Well, let me guess, he's in a Republican district and he's trying to get by uh, since he couldn't run as a Democrat and the Republican party wants him there uh, for whatever reason, because the party right now is led by Kevin McCarthy uh, yeah. in, in the House and Mitch McConnell in the Senate, which by the way, speaking of rhinos, there you go. Uh, right, and, and he was also looking at a gubernatorial run. So I think he was trying to play both sides for a while with his, his votes and um, not speaking out when he should have um, with the Biden administration making all the messes that they have. He stayed silent. So I oh. think it's time for him to be replaced. Yeah, and, and, the, and the usual rhinos are, are not suspects. They're, they're obviously guilty and walking in the open. Dick Durbin in an interview said, quote unquote, several Republicans could be open to the Biden Supreme Court choice. 
Who mm. is that choice? Uh, oh, she, we don't know. But uh, uh, the fact is, she is black and she is female, uh, as the White House has confirmed. Uh, and I have to guess that those Republicans would include at least these three Republicans. He used the word several, and that would be three. Uh, and, and, and Susan Collins has come out and said she would welcome a black woman in the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, what does that mean? You would welcome a black woman in the Supreme Court? <laughs> Who the hell are you? This is the 21st century. We have equal rights. You wouldn't welcome uh, of course you would welcome. You would welcome any American who's qualified for the job, would you not? I mean, right. they, uh, Susan Collins often seems to me to be, well, a little impaired uh, when it <laughs> comes to her uh, articulation of her positions and her preferences. Uh, why didn't she say she'd welcome an Asian, a Native American? Uh, you know, how about, uh, you know, an Italian uh, American? If we're going to hyphenate everybody, this is right. I, if I'm Asian right now in this country, I'm going to get a little agitated. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get, I get I, left out of that, uh, you know, that minority business. Right. And I think at this point, you know, it's funny, my, my oldest daughter, she signed up for Ancestry.com and she was looking into my side of the family and she's she's like, Mom, um, your your family like to travel and um, they like to <laughs> get along uh, very well. They got along very well with people from other countries because yeah, I'm pretty much everything. I'm almost everything, I think, except for black and Asian and maybe Middle Eastern. I don't know, but I'm pretty much everything. So, you know, how about I'll just be offended for everyone at no, this well. point. But I agree. You know what? Great. If the next Supreme Court justice happens to be a black woman who is sharp as a tack, and follows the constitution and the law like it should be, then phenomenal, great. Let's all congratulate the new Supreme Court justice. But choose somebody because of their gender and their race. I mean, I feel like the Democratic Party is taking us back to 1950s. They claim we are. We're the, the older party, but we're not. We're all trying to move forward and, and succeed and excel and, and help each other uh, move up the ladder in whatever industry. And it seems like they're the ones who keep wanting to hold everybody back. Well, I'm going to do something I seldom do. I'm going to quote a, a, a former Democrat uh, candidate for president and Tulsi uh, uh, Gabbard, former Congress woman from Hawaii, uh, saying basically she's offended that uh, Biden would uh, lay out the the qualifications as female and black. And she went on to say, because if he does that, uh, that's what he did with uh, Kamala Harris. And how did that work out? It's, oh, a, it's a disaster. Uh, yeah. So I, no one should get too excited about what he's doing because it, it's atrocious that he would play group and identity politics with the Supreme Court. And by I the mean, way, he 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 voted uh, he well, he filibustered a a black female candidate when he was a U.S. senator for two years because he didn't want a Republican uh, African American female on the high court, and that's to me that's just despicable. This is the same guy who fought against the filibuster, uh, and it was quoted twice. Uh, is talking about it is a, would be a disastrous uh, decision. And now here he is advocating the filibuster being uh, uh, removed from the Senate. 
I mean, I, I think that now since we've seen and heard from him, what, what little we have, it's, it's more than enough. And I'd rather hear more, I think coming out of his mouth at this point about, you know, the fact that his favorite ice cream flavor is chocolate, chocolate, chocolate chip, you know, because every time he, it's time for him to make a decision. It's just, it's partisan, it's petty. It, it's doesn't seem like it's very well thought through. Um, I mean, this divisiveness with the Supreme Court has, like you mentioned, it's gone all the way back from Clarence Thomas up to Amy Coney Barrett. And it's embarrassing. Um, Did you listen to Justice Breyer when he gave his retirement speech? I mean, that man to me seemed like he absolutely loved his job and he loved sharing his knowledge. He spoke about going and speaking with students and he was beaming from ear to ear, just reminiscing about those moments. That was not the sound of a man who was ready to retire, uh, in my opinion. But, um, you know, I, I know it's all political. It, the, the people that they have listed so far, the there was three women, and I can't recall their names, but their ages are, you know, 45, 51, and 55. So obviously this was a political move. Um, so that way they could keep somebody in that seat for a longer period of time, because I think they see that in the midterms, you know, they're going to be losing and they very well may lose the presidency in 2024. So it's all politics. It's all politics and politics, of course, we won't deny that it, it plays a part in all of the decision making about who a president uh, chooses to put forward to join the court. But there has been such a high standard. Uh, academically and uh, in, in as a uh, as far as judges go, uh, their their record, and, and we've seen that dissipate. I have to say, John Roberts is a tremendous disappointment. Uh, mm-hmm. it, somebody should have played more politics on that one, uh, and I'm not you know quite sure of what goes on sometimes in in, in the thinking of frankly of, uh, Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, but I do know this, Clarence Thomas is a, an absolute uh, stalwart, uh, a, a conservative, a consistent, constant, and courageous conservative uh, who you know how he thinks and the way in which he will assess and analyze a case. I have the highest respect for Clarence Thomas, and guess who voted against him and tried to destroy his uh, nomination to the court? None other than Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, it, it's appalling what this man. Uh, That's this his man middle has, name. Uh, his record. His middle name is Robinette. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, this That's is interesting. We truth, justice, and the American way. We get it all out there. <laughs> you learn with Lou Dobbs. <laughs> and he's a junior. Now that means now you're going to have to. You'll probably admire my analytical skills when I say this. Uh, that means that there are two guys named Robinette out there. Uh, that junior thing gives it all away. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's very funny. Uh, let's turn to uh, your judgment of where we are uh, with this, uh, this uh, Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, wanting to bring in into the surveillance state. We pretty well gotten this into a, this country into a surveillance state. I'm sick of it. And I think we've got to roll it back and stop it now uh, because it's just, it's overwhelming. He wants to bring in traffic, so-called safety cameras 
and write as many tickets as uh, they could, and you know they will, uh, mm-hmm. across the country. What do you think of that idea? Very popular in parts of Europe. It, well, I was going to say, I, I'm aware of some of those cameras existing over here on the West Coast for speeding purposes or if you run a red light. Um, now, I don't know if there's actually live bodies that are paying attention uh, to every car that goes through, but I do know that it exists and you can receive a ticket periodically. Uh, it is annoying, <laughs> but I, I think that if you're going to have that all over the place, though, I agree with you. It is, it's too much. Uh, we don't need that. I mean, I live in, I live in Nevada and for maybe a place like the Las Vegas strip, obviously the more cameras you have, the better, because there's, there's a lot that goes on on the strip that you've got to keep eyes and ears uh, to the ground for. Um, you've got millions of people coming in on a regular basis and there's lots of money involved um, that exchanges hands and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if you take that into the rural part of Nevada or even to where I am right now in Northern Nevada, outside of Lake Tahoe, uh, people don't even want street lights. Yeah. let alone having cameras <laughs> following their every move. Well, so good you know, luck getting that passed. I, um, I'm a guy who used to run a big block engine at 120 miles an hour down that uh, highway uh, from Tonopah into Las Vegas. Uh, wide oh, open. the 95. And, yeah. and, I, and I have to tell you, I just hate to think of <laughs> how much money I'd have lost before I even got to Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't fly over here in Nevada. Um, so, you know, May- Mayor Pete, I, you know, he should probably think about spending some more time at home with his significant other and his his two two new children, um, because he's not really making much of an impact as the yeah, transportation he's... secretary. What do, what do you make? Just on this, just a side note, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg apologizing after she said the Holocaust wasn't about race. Uh, do you really think there's anyone who, who is functioning cognitively who doesn't understand what the Holocaust was, uh, uh, the evil, and, 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 and a statement like that from, from Whoopi Goldberg just, uh, it's, it just amazes me. Isn't it? And I think that, I think the thing is she's gotten away with, with being um, so crass for so long and just lying through her teeth uh, for so long that she doesn't even think twice. I don't think about what comes out of her mouth half the time. She's just, she's vicious. She's vile. Um, Most of those women are not kind at all. Uh, So does it surprise me? No, not really, because let's see, let's see if something happens to her. I don't know if it will, because now she's kind of backpedaled a little bit and, and trying to save, save herself um, and apologizing, I guess, to a degree, but I mean, what an ignorant statement. And I think it just, it just further shows how, how the left can get away with, with all of this, um, this hate, this talk of hatred, hatred and, and race baiting. And, and it doesn't matter what color they are on the other side, right? It doesn't matter what gender they are on, on the other side. If you or I were to say that we'd be done before you could blink. Yeah. And, and this, and the, the cancel culture would be after us. And I know a few things about the canceled culture. Yeah. Uh, the, Joe Rogan, 
uh, has guests on his show all the time, spirited discussions, intelligent discussions, talking with two doctors and all of a sudden, uh, Joni Mitchell uh, comes knocking on the door and saying, <laughs> you know, it, it's all over. Uh, it, 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 it's just terrible. And then my favorite, uh, Meghan Markle and the Sad Prince, Harry. <laughs> Harry, the Sad Prince. They had concerns. And the next thing you know, Spotify's management are turning things upside down because of, uh, I mean, how do you screw up being a prince, right? right. He, messed, he messed it up entirely. They, they've, <laughs> got, they've got a gene in that family that just goes wacko at some point in various generations. Uh, and you end up with Megan and the sad prince. Who cares, I think what, who cares what those two, <laughs> I, I mean, what have they ever done? What are their accomplishments? Uh, what are their achievements? What is their intelligence? What is their educational background? What, why in the world would anybody give a damn what they think about anything? <laughs> They're really good at, at narcissism. And I think that probably the sad prince and our sad president, maybe they should write a book together on, on how, how to mess things up uh, with, with so much given to you, um, in such a short amount of time. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know why people pay attention to them. You know, we, we started America for a reason. We don't need to listen, um, to, to the, to the Europeans, uh, to the British. We are no longer connected for a reason. Um, if they're so unhappy, they can go back home, um, you know, in Spotify, it's funny because Joni, you mentioned Joni Mitchell and who was the other one? Neil Young, Neil I think Young. That picked up his toys and went home. You know, the majority of folks and keep moving, just keep moving. Yeah, All just right. keep moving. The majority of folks who, who probably listen to them in their heyday don't even know what Spotify is or care to know what Spotify is. So the younger generation, while they do listen to some classic rock and um, and some updated music as well. I, I don't think that they're heartbroken over the loss of those two. No, and I don't think that, you know, I think a lot of uh, artists will find out a lot of people don't really give a damn about their politics. <laughs> they need to just be entertainers, uh, stay the hell out of politics. Uh, it, it, it's ridiculous. And it, but this stuff about Prince Harry just frosts me because good Americans gave their, their lives and sacrificed much uh, to win the Revolutionary War, to win the War of 1812, and, the, and to, to absolutely uh, idolize uh, royalty. And I'm sorry, Queen Elizabeth is cool. She's nice, the whole family. I, I mean, I, I think they make for a really great Netflix story. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I, I really, I don't care what those people do. Uh, you know, go be tourist attractions, but stay the hell out of politics and especially our politics. Good. Great. Right. right. I agree. And it's sad because we, we do live in a culture that, you know, thrives off of celebrities and uh, they read the magazines, they look at the covers, they want, they see the Instagram accounts, you know, they want to dress like Meghan Markle. Everyone <laughs> wants to, you know, it's insane. You know, I think we're now at a point where we need to be okay with who we are and quit listening to these morons. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't help anyone. <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't better you as a person, because I think you actually lose some brain cells when you listen to these idiots. 
I, I think you're probably right. And uh, we've been listening to so many idiots from Hollywood uh, for, for whom Meghan Markle, I guess, is an emissary. Uh, the, the, the British, I, I mean, and, and Prince, sad Harry, sad old Harry. I mean, I feel like we should throw a pity party for him. He's a moper and a whiner and get out of the way, Harry. How did he end up here? Did she adopt him? Uh, why <laughs> is it America? I mean, what the heck is the relationship there? I don't get it. I really I, don't get it. I don't he, he feels so entitled to talk about American politics. I'm going to weigh on, weigh in on Boris Johnson. No, I'm not. I don't care about <laughs> Boris Johnson. Uh, but I do care about Amy Tarkanian, and I appreciate you being with us today. We always give our guests the last word, Amy. So fire away. Oh, well, it's, it's an honor, Lou, honestly. And, and I've thoroughly enjoyed um, being on with you every time that I get to be in your presence and get to speak with you. I always feel like I come away with, with something new and with more knowledge. And I honestly mean that I always feel like, like I'm a, a better person when I've had a discussion with you, you have, you have a way of, of really explaining things easily to, to people and making people also feel special and important. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me on today. Like I mentioned to you before this started, I was beaming from ear to ear when uh, you sent out the invitation. So I think that 2022 is going to be like Christmas for Republicans. And I hope that everyone stands strong and gets out and starts knocking on doors and making sure that you go to the polls and you watch those polls. Absolutely. And, uh, and if it's Christmas for the Republicans, it'll be Christmas for America. So I, I exactly. you know, it's, it's a wonderful, uh, uh, thing to contemplate and Amy, those were kind, kind words. And I appreciate them, especially since all I did was offer up the middle name of the president. <laughs> <laughs> Robinette, that's a lot of credit for me. Just, I always enjoy talking with you. I always leave so happy. So well, thank, thank you, you for starting my day off well, and, the right way. Same back to you. Thanks so much. Always great to talk with you and come back soon, please. Will do. It, thank you. My thanks to Amy Tarkanian and to Matt Schlapp, great Americans and great friends. And coming up on our next episode will be pollster John McLaughlin, who will give us the results of his most recent polling, always strong looks at the political currents that move this country, and his analysis the best. Also joining us next week will be American hero Robert O'Neill, Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, and Missouri Senatorial Candidate Mark McCloskey joins us, and Mr. New York himself, Mark Simone, and the new Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. Winsome Sears, all of those great Americans coming up next week, right here on The Great America Show. So please be with us. Also, over the weekend, look out for our special analysis of the week's news and developments, and Sunday, our outlook for the upcoming week. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for all you do for your friends, family, neighbors, and fellow citizens. Thanks for making America great. All best. God bless you. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.